Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk About Layoffs. I'm Dr. Tracy Schroyer, and in this podcast, we're diving deep into the world of layoffs, exploring not just the challenges they present, but also the alternatives that exist. Through transparency, courage, and empathy, we'll uncover new perspectives and strategies for both individuals and organizations navigating these complex situations. Join me as we engage with experts, share stories, and provide practical insights. Whether you're affected by layoffs, involved in decision-making, or just interested in understanding this critical aspect of the corporate world, there's something here for you. Let's embark on this journey together, rethinking and reshaping the narrative around layoffs. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the Let's Talk About Layoffs podcast. Today, I have a very awesome guest who I've known for, I think it's a couple years now we've known each other. Yeah. Um, So, uh, Mariella is joining us, and I'll have her introduce herself uh, here in just a moment. Um, But for this episode, we're actually talking to someone who has been impacted by layoffs also. Um, And so she's going to share a little bit more about her experience. Um, And from here, Marielle, I'll pass it over to you. Just if you want to give us an introduction of who you are. Okay. Um, Hello, my name is Marielle Begley-Garman. I am a licensed professional engineer in Texas and Louisiana. I have um, a little over 25 years experience as a... um, engineer and project manager. Um, Up until June of last year, I was working a corporate job um, and was restructured, was laid off. So now um, I'm working in a business that my husband and I own. We had already started. So I was able to go full-time into our business. That's awesome. So Mary, can I ask you a couple of questions just about your experience? And yes, and we'll talk a little bit more about how you made the decision of what you're doing now. Um, so with your experience, did you have notice? I know some people have that WARN Act, there's 60 day notice. Um, was it kind of almost like blindsided by the news that you were getting let go? Um, so I was blindsided by the news. Um, but then after I was told, I still had April to June. So about 60 days of, I still had to work. Um, so I, w- I was, they let us know. And then um, basically two months to transition all of my work and take all my vacation because they didn't pay out vacation time. Oh, wow. Wow. So you had to actually work during those 60 days. What yes. was that experience like? Like that would just the morale and everything. And if other people knew, and I don't know if other people knew that you were impacted, like if you were able to tell them. So it was, it was very difficult. It was very frustrating, um, very emotional. So um, I was on a regional team and basically with the restructuring of the company, they decided they were doing away with this regional team but not all of us were let go. A lot of people were uh, reabsorbed into the sites where they were located. Um, And I honestly don't know that there is a really 
good way to handle layoffs, but there are definitely not good ways to handle them. Um, so what my boss did was he did not tell anyone that I was being let go. He just told everyone that, um, we were redistributing my, my jobs, um, the projects that I was, that I was working on. And so as I was meeting with each of these people who were taking over, I had to tell them because they were under the impression that, because I had such a high project load um, and it had been an issue, like, because we would have team meetings and I had one of the highest loads in our entire group. So they just thought, hey, they're finally giving her, you know, some, some relief and they're moving some of this stuff off of her plate. And I'm like, no, um, actually, you know, June or I guess it was May 31st was my last day. And so and in that time, I also had to take all of my vacation time. So they had a very short window to get all the information from me about these projects so that they could understand what they were taking over. Because after that, I'm not available to help them in any way. Right. Right. How much can I ask how much vacation time that you had? Um, you had built up a ton of vacation like. That's not a lot of time to transition. So the company I work for, you were required to take all of your vacation time every year or okay. you lost it. So it wasn't rolled over. I didn't have, um, I got, I'm trying to remember now. I got a uh, little, like not quite five weeks a year. Mm -hmm. um, and you get everything on January 1st for the year. So they left it up to me to prorate it myself to figure out how much, I had taken how much I had not taken. And so what, what I had left to take and then to figure out how it was going to take that. Oh my gosh. Wow. So I know just from my own experience of getting the news about being laid off was a shock, but I think the hardest part was telling other people. So, mm -hmm. and in your situation of being, having to tell people that you're, thought this was a positive thing because you were getting work off of your, your workload. Like what was that experience like for you to have to tell them and, you know, watch their reactions? And it was really, really emotional. Um, it was very difficult because you're put in the position of like, all of a sudden you've given them some very bad news, even though it's about you. You're now the one, you're the messenger, you're the one delivering it. And so then they feel bad and you're left in this weird position where you're trying to comfort them about something that's happening to you. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Um, so within those, uh, or within those 60 days, like after you got the news that you were being let go, you had these 60 days to transition your work, to take your vacation time. Were you, did you automatically start thinking like, where is my next place that I'm going to work? Or what was that thought process that kind of led you to where you are today? Um, so I will say I did have, I did get a severance package. So I knew I had a little bit of cushion to figure it out, but you do, I mean, immediately you're like, okay, what is my next step? Um, I've been working full time my entire adult life. Um, for a long, a lot of that time I was single. So I like, I was and and in my previous relationship, I was also the breadwinner. So 
I've always had all the responsibility. Thankfully, that is no longer my situation. But I had I had had all of the responsibility. So the idea of not having an external position had never really um, crossed my mind. Um, so I started reaching out to my network. I started seeing what was available in my area. Um, so I had several years ago transitioned from working as a consulting engineer in a small, not, not tiny, but you know, like a 30 person firm um, to working in for a large international company as a, as an engineer that worked doing work for the company. Um, and so I, I had a network in both, both worlds kind of. And so I started reaching out. I started seeing what was available. I knew I really didn't want to do what I had been doing. Um, I wasn't super happy with it. So that, and this is moving on to something we're going to talk about, but it, I, I had known that this was not where I wanted to be. And I just hadn't left because it's, it's hard to walk away from that steady, secure corporate salary. Right. Um, and so I started finding out what was available. Um, there's been some changes in our local consulting community since I left. Um, the firm that I used to work for actually was bought by a much larger multi-state firm. It's not, it's not the same kind of um, environment. Mm -hmm. So you're figuring out what do I want? How do I want my days to look? And what opportunities were available? So, so my next question was how, at what point did you make that decision of what that was going to look like within that 60 day period? Like, was it pretty quickly or was it farther towards the end of it? It was, it was fairly quickly. Um, it, you take a little bit of time just to process what's going on. Um, so I would say definitely within the first month, excuse me. Um, definitely within the first month. Um, so my husband and I would walk at lunch uh, because we both worked from home. Mm -hmm. And so we were walking around the block talking and he's like, do you just want to go full time in our business? And it was an immediate yes. Like I didn't even have to think about it. It was immediate. Um, and I usually, I, t I take a lot of time to weigh the pros and cons and you know, think everything through. And I didn't, it was, I didn't have to think about it. It just, this is what felt right. Yeah. So after your last day at the company, did you immediately start working or did you even start before that 60 days was up or did you take some time to kind of relax and kind of, you know, so, so I actually started before that time was up because I did have that vacation time that I had to take. So probably, probably the last month, um, I was working some, um, uh, you know, part-time 
learning some of the systems and stuff that were in place for this business, for this job. Um, and then definitely full-time starting uh, June 1st. So, so how, had, do your, how do your days look different now <laughs> from corporate to where you are today? So in the corporate position, um, like I said, it was an international company. Uh, half of my team was not U.S. based. So they were on a different time zone. Um, so we would have two work hours that would overlap some. So I would have meetings starting at like 5 a.m. And I had on a light day, I would have six. On a heavy day, I'd have 16 meetings in a day. Wow. <laughs> so it was it was nonstop. Um, and by the end of the day, I was completely exhausted mentally. Um, so what my days look like now, um, I, I am naturally more of a night owl. And so instead of trying to force myself to go to bed at eight thirty, nine o'clock, I staying up later. I'm sleeping, sleeping in. Um, so I have an alarm set by, at, for seven fifteen. If I'm if I haven't woke up before then, sometimes sometimes I have, sometimes I haven't. Um, and I don't have meetings starting before nine o'clock. That's you. Know, we discussed it. That time works for me. Um, so that gives me time to to wake up, to get you know whatever morning routine I want to do done, and then be here fresh and ready to to start the day to meet clients. And, yeah. Do you have a certain time that you cut off? You said you're a night owl. Like, do you stop working at a certain time, or is it like just whenever the work feels like it's right to take a break from there? It's more when it feels like it's right. Um, yeah. So I, I tend to get hyper-focused mid-afternoon. So I'm, I'm central time. Um, it's almost four o'clock here. So four to six, I tend to get super, super focused um, and very productive. So there are times, uh, depending on what's going on, that I might work until almost eight o'clock because I want to. But I'm also going to take a break in the middle of the afternoon. So what you can't see you know, is over here in my office is we have a full gym. So I may t I will take a break every afternoon and go over there and do some kind of workout. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And you had mentioned, too, in the group that we're both in that um, you used to have your office in a different part of your house, right? I did. And so you had moved that, you and your husband, and then you have your gym and your offices all set up there. Yes. So this is, this is the garage apartment. Um, my daughter moved out last January. She had lived here. She bought a house and moved. And so over the past year, we moved the gym over here. Then we moved our offices, which were um, in, in the downstairs of our house. Um, we have, we have a Victorian home. It has, it has a lot of nice space. Um, but we were taking up two of the uh, common space rooms downstairs. And so we were able. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was, we were able to move the offices over here and uh, reclaim our house. 
That's what I was going to say. It was probably nice, too, that when you are done working, you shut the door and that stays there as much as it can. And you're able to go into your house. Yes, that is really nice. Nice. So do you want to explain to people what you do now to tell them a little bit more about digital stormwater? And you actually do quite a few different things. So I know that's one of them. But if you want to share. So and and digital stormwater is my main focus. I do have some other stuff that I do on the side, but especially now, because I love what I'm doing. I'm not um, doing so much with these side hustles. So Digital Stormwater is a full service marketing agency or digital marketing agency that is specific to the stormwater niche. So um, I know we had this discussion when when I started doing this. Uh, Stormwater is the water that falls from rain or from snow. and then runs over land into drainage systems and then goes out into our natural waterways, our streams, our creeks, our rivers, eventually out into the ocean, into our lakes. Um, And it's not treated. And so my specialty as a consultant was drainage and stormwater. And my husband has been in the stormwater industry for 12 years. Um, And what we found going to industry conferences is there are so many manufacturers who have these great products and these great ideas. And they, they go to all these shows and they have their products with them, but they don't have a great digital footprint. Um, They don't have consistent social media. If they have it at all, they may or may not have a website. And if they do have a website, it, you know, Hey, 1990 called and they want their website back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They don't do digital ads. And so they can have these absolutely fabulous products, but they're not being used because nobody knows they exist. And so that's what, that's what we do is we want to bring their products and bring them into the world, into the light, um, give them that visibility because with a lot of products, you know, you see it, you click something, you buy it. And that's not how our industry works. How our industry works is you you have, you have a widget and this widget's amazing. And so you need an engineer to say, Hey, look at that amazing widget. The next time I have a product where that would work, I need to remember it so I can put that into the specifications and then the contractor can go buy that and then it gets installed. So the sales process is a year plus from awareness to something actually being purchased and installed. Um, But if you don't make somebody aware that you have this widget, it's never going to be put in the plans. And then it's never going to be bought and installed, even if it's the greatest product out there. If it if it would work perfectly, they may have to get two or three different things to do what your one product would do because they just don't know it exists. And so we want people to know these things exist. Right. And you bring that awareness and that visibility to what these things are, Yes. which I imagine some of these business owners are just like fascinated by what you and your husband are able to do and right. bringing that awareness out. 
So a lot of these, um, a lot of the inventors and then business owners are other engineers. Um, so I speak engineering, you know, I can, I speak their language. I speak the stormwater language, but I've spent enough time because of the side hustles and the, and the other groups I've been in that I've learned the marketing side. And so I know how to tell their stories to other people. That's a valuable skill set that you have right there. All of that combined. Definitely. Definitely. So we did have somebody comment and they were talking about it's very difficult without that separation, speaking from current experience. So talking about your office and your home and making sure there's a line. I think that could be challenging whether you're working for a company, whether you're not working for a company to try to make sure you have that in place. So one of the things, even with um, having my office in the house, so my husband has worked from home for over a decade. And so when everybody started working from home in 2020, I actually had a role model that I could see how to make it work. And so I did have a hard stop where I would get up from my desk and I would walk away and I would close those doors. And I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. And now it's time to do home stuff. And I also had the, you get up every morning, you take a shower, you don't stay in your pajamas, you put on your work uniform. Um, Because if you don't do those things, there is no separation. Everything bleeds together. And I saw a lot of coworkers having a lot of issues with that. Right. Right. Definitely. All right. Mariella, is there anything that you want to share with us just about your layoff experience after your experience? Um, that maybe we haven't touched on before we wrap up? I know one of the things that um, you and I had talked about was like in the separation process, in the paperwork process, in the, um, in my case in particular, I got a a meeting pop up on my, um, my schedule with my boss. And I was like, that's not normal. And so I had that meeting and basically it was him and HR and then he dropped off and HR talked about, I have no idea what, cause I, I was so blown away. Um, but in that process, there was the, you know, we're going to give you the severance package and here are the things about the severance package. You can't say anything negative about your, they call them leaders in that company. And we can discuss what that word actually means, but you know, you can't say anything negative about your boss. You can't say anything negative about the company or you don't get the severance package. Um, And then you get the package and there's this huge stack of paperwork. I don't know if you have kids and you send your kids back to school every year, you get a pack of stuff about this thick to sign. It was, it was similar to that. And so going through it and trying to read it and understand it, and there's deadlines for this and there's deadlines for that. And they actually screwed up my, um, the local HR person put in the wrong last day for me. And so they had to redo my paperwork. Um, And so, you know, just trying to make sure that you understand everything and that you get things submitted in time and back in time and, you know, and I knew I was going to get the severance, but thankfully I did have, you know, 
we were financially secure with savings and my husband had a job because that severance didn't come through for, I want to say two months after my last day. So, um, and then there's still some of the paperwork, honestly, I'm fighting with because there were, you know, there was other things and you would submit it and they kick it back and you resubmit it and kick right. it back. And I'm like, really people, <laughs> can, can we just cut this tie? Okay. Yeah, that is really hard too, because a lot of people don't think about like, you know, they might think, oh, I'm getting severance. Like, that's awesome. But like you said, you get this stack of papers, like 30 to 50 pages deep. And it gives you all like, there was FAQs, like there was all of this legalese and so trying to understand it, but one thing to point out too is that anyone who gets a severance agreement to look at, don't return it right away. Like you should have a certain amount of time and you are able to consult with an attorney mm -hmm. and leverage that if you need to. Like I know somebody else had paid like three or $400. I had paid like $450 to have an attorney look through it. I got on the phone with her for an hour. We walked through questions that I had. Like use that to your advantage to be able to really go through this because these are gonna impact the money that you're gonna get. Like if you have to return equipment in a certain time frame, when things will expire, you know, what opportunities you have, all of that. And understanding that HR is there to protect the company, not necessarily to help you. Um, there was something else I was going to say, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, you know, and, and in that paperwork, understanding, you, know, you are you going to file for unemployment? Um, are you going to have their COBRA policy for your insurance? Because even when it says you will get it at the employee rate, your employee rate has actually been discounted because the company's paying part of that and they're not going to pay that part. You know, what are your actual options and what are the actual expenses? Um, do you have a 401k? What needs to happen with that? Do you have a pension? What needs to happen with that? Um, I know that's less common, but like the company I was with, we had both 401k and pension. So making sure that you, that you look through it and you ask the questions, and honestly, you don't always get correct answers when you ask questions. And the best thing to do is put that in writing wherever possible. I know somebody had mentioned to me that they were told to call like an HR number. And I was like, well, another HR person said to email this email. And it was nice to have it in writing. And then they had to go find the person responsible for whatever the question was and come back. Um, mm -hmm. But the other thing too to be aware of is like when thinking about a 401k and thinking about how things are taxed and one thing that I had looked at in my own is making sure that you understand the taxes on your severance check and so mine fell at the end of last year and so that's going to bump me into a different tax bracket like depending on who you are what your you know all your income is and so I was able to know that when I got that I had to hold back more to be mm -hmm. able to pay for those taxes. So having that awareness and, you know, checking with an accountant about 
you know, the, the specific dollars. Um, checking with somebody about your 401k and the finance piece is really, really important. And if you happen to, you know, this is not something I had, but if you happen to have like a 401k loan or anything like that, that's been taken out of your check, mm -hmm. how, how is that going to be handled? Are you still going to be able to make payments? How are those going to be processed? Um, I saw, I saw lots of friends, uh, with different things, what you were talking about with taxes, um, I had a friend who had been there much, much longer than I had, who was actually eligible to retire, just hadn't retired yet. Um, so his severance package, because it was based on time of service, was several years worth of salary, but it was given in one lump sum. So he had taxes for that entire thing. Yeah, that's a lot. And I had even looked into, like, I could move my 401k to a Roth IRA, but I didn't know that you got taxed when you moved it yeah. to a Roth IRA. So I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do that in the same year that I get my severance because that bumps you even more. Like things I wouldn't have never thought of until, you know, having that paperwork, starting to talk to different people and getting different references. So, yeah. Yeah. So we do have somebody yeah. in the comments here that said, I wasn't even given severance paperwork received less than I expected and was told I should have gotten even less. I didn't even know I was allowed to negotiate. It's mm. a shame. That breaks my heart to hear that. And some places you're not allowed to negotiate. Some places like where, where I was, um, there were, there's a policy of it's one week for every year of service or one paycheck for every year of service or something like that. Yeah, I know some of the larger organizations have that laid out, even in their like annual reports and things like that. But smaller companies may not have any kind of policy or even pub you know public policy. There are actually attorneys. So the attorney that I had talked to, there are attorneys that specialize in severance agreements. So being able to look that up and find that. So if you are impacted at any point, um, I, I think it it gave me peace of mind, if not anything else. Yeah. You know, that, that I was good going into everything and beyond, you know, what the next steps were. Yeah. I will say that um, the company offered some, some things that I did not do. Like they offered counseling services and job counseling services and job, you know, like resume writing and, and job placement help. Mm -hmm. um, and those, like I said, I did, I did not take them up on any of that because I didn't need that. Um, but some of their vendors were extremely aggressive trying to oh, get you to yeah. take. Yes. I got numerous emails. <laughs> like you haven't been to the site in a while. Where are you? <laughs> I think I know how to do my own resume. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you have, you haven't booked a service. Call us back. Right. Multiple, multiple voicemails. I'm like, thanks. Right. Yeah. Um, and another thing too with that is um, be careful of the wording in your severance agreement if you have a severance agreement because some of that says like you have to initiate it within X number of days and it could be from the date that you were told or it could be the date that you've actually been terminated. So that's another reason to look and see like what are the things that you might have to do versus things that the company is going to do and make sure that both of you are accountable to what those are. Yeah, that was one of the issues with um, my termination date being entered incorrectly. Um, trying to figure out where my paperwork was, and you know, I had calculated myself, 
you know, mm-hmm. this, this are the vacation days I have, and this is how long I have to take them. And it was approaching, you know, that time where I'm fixing to turn in my computer and my badge and all of my credentials. And I still didn't have everything I needed. So calling HR and that's how I found out that uh, things have been entered incorrectly. And I'm like, oh my gosh, and they're like, well, we're going to send this to your work email. I'm like, well, I won't have access to that. I need it now. And so making sure it got sent to my correct email. And for people that use their work email, which I have never done, but people who use their work email for for personal reasons, making sure that all of that is is transferred and you've got everything that you're going to need access to later. Yeah, because sometimes you don't have, like, you had the 60 days leading up to your last day. Like, in my experience and others, that you might be told, okay, after this call, you hang up and you lose access to everything. So you yeah. don't know when that's going to be, what that's going to look like. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, Mariella. I appreciate you being on this episode of the podcast. I do want to give you an opportunity to share where people can find you, maybe where on social media you hang out or if they want to connect and chat more, like where might they do that? Absolutely. So I am Mariella Begley Garment everywhere, uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, if you want to watch crochet videos. Um, and um, if you want to find uh, find out more about Digital Stormwater, it is digitalstormwater.com. And um, Digital Stormwater does have a podcast. I'm not the host. My husband is. But if you want to learn about stormwater, um, it's the Stormwater World podcast. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mariella. I appreciate it. And everyone else, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you for tuning in to Let's Talk About Layoffs. It's been a privilege to share today's insights and stories with you, shedding light on the complexities and alternatives to traditional layoffs. Remember, in every challenge lies a chance for growth and positive change. I'm Dr. Tracy Schroyer, and your time and engagement with us today means a lot. For further insights and resources, please visit our website at letstalkaboutlayoffs.com. Don't forget to subscribe for the latest episodes. Until next time, keep exploring innovative approaches to the challenge of organizational change and workforce management.